Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium. This is episode 53, where we continue our interview with Jay Martin and Chris Baglow of the McGrath Institute for Church Life, the University of Notre Dame, and their science, talking about their science and religion initiative to bring the inspiration that science and faith can be reconciled to Catholic high school teachers in particular across the country. Does the other uh, trend that's going on in modern society, uh, relativism, uh, make it harder or easier for schools to kind of uh, uh, try for this synthesis? That's not something that we really encounter so much, um, mainly because, especially on a cultural level, relativism seems to be, um, you could say, it's a self-serving moral practice. Yeah. You know, they don't, very, very few high school students are, are going to have anything like a metaphysical kind of anti-realism, in which, you know, right. Yeah. But but if you start telling them that what they're doing is wrong or what their people that their friends with are doing is wrong, then they'll say, well, it's wrong for you. And so yeah. w- w- what we tend to see um, is actually kind of a hyper rationalism mm-hmm. uh, with respect to our teachers. They want to say, OK, this is this is great. And it's very edifying to talk about God's loving intent in creating human beings. But I want to know what are the facts. Mm-hmm. And so there's a hyper rationalism that, that makes a, uh, a sort of procedural cut along, you know, across the range of facts as if. God creating human beings in love uh, is not a fact, mm-hmm. and human beings being having a common ancestor with apes yeah, is a different. A fact. It's yeah. a fact. It's a facts fact. Yeah, right. Right. So, right. So, yeah. But there's there's a, a, yeah. a sort of epistemic superiority. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But the, and but, it's procedural. You but know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing in terms of relativism, and you know this idea that you know there is no such thing as absolute truth or any yeah. of those kinds of ideas. The fact that we one one place where where most people, even people who claim to be relativists in some fashion or other, remain mm-hmm. realists, yeah. is in their acceptance of science. Right. Science does put you in touch with the truth. Science yeah. does show you facts. It's interesting that by bringing faith and science into dialogue, mm-hmm. they can begin to see that there are truths of faith, yeah. right, yeah. that can be seen in light of science. And by bringing those two together, opens their minds to the possibility. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's, you know, maybe, you know, uh, look, you know, water really is two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom and one yeah. molecule. Yeah. And maybe God really is one and three. Right. You know, not, not that those two truths are necessarily directly related. But the point no. is, is that yeah. they begin to see that yeah. because theology can be robust and responsive yeah. in a respectful way, to science. Yeah. Maybe theology has something to tell us too. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a, and, and I think that that's one way in which relativism, it's like kicking the, kicking in the back door of relativism. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you go and give your class a module on why relativism is wrong. Mm-hmm. And they might shut their minds from the beginning. If you right. talk about evolution and creation and why they're different and why they're complementary. Yeah. You're, you're, you're eroding the relativistic idea kind I of, like you know, in a, in a, in a less direct, but more effective way. Hmm. It reminds yeah. me of the phrase, the truth shall set you free. If you can accept the truth can exist somewhere, then you're suddenly free to accept the truth can yeah. exist elsewhere. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and truth is restless. I mean, that's the, the, the wonderful thing about doing the work that we do. You can start, start to establish, a, you know, a set of truths, and by sort of truth's nature, it always is expanding. There's always more truth to be known. Yeah. And it connects itself to other things. And before you know it, you believe a whole heck of a lot of things. Right. Uh, yeah. And you take yeah. them to be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's overstated. 
I think can be overstated. The you know the sometimes lines are drawn. Like I remember re- reading a book by Du Lubach. What is it? I forget which one. The title probably may come to you, but I mean he he mentions more in passing. It's not. I don't think What's the, the actual. It's, it's like Nature and Grace. I think is. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, the book. Yeah, right, right. And he mentions I think a number a number of places in passing some some things that really set a sort of you know I read them and I looked at them and I said I don't know that I believe you know exactly where the boundary between theology and science is. And there are, I mean, so for example, one thing that works, it, work, it works in Aquinian theology, it works in, should work in philosophy, um, it certainly works in science, is if you find an internal contradiction in your theory. You know, you know in, in some sense, my theory can explain observations, but if I've got an internal contradiction, who's going to accept it? You know, no one, no one's going to accept my theory about how the asteroid Vesta formed if there's a logical contradiction in it. And that will work the same way, you know, I mean, that that should work in a good theologic argument or discussion just as well. We had a question at the Gulf Coast Conference about similar questions, and one of the the kind of most compelling strategies is to ask the the questions of self-reference. Okay, so a statement like, uh, there's no such thing as, as absolute truth. Well, yes. How how does that state? How how are we expected to take that statement as being absolutely true or not? Right, At that point, I mean, right. like a classic. Right, you're, you're sort of an infinite regress very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've you've uh, annihilated yourself immediately upon contact. Maybe there's no such thing as absolute truth. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> then, then what? Yeah. Right. Right. Then, right. then what are you even saying? Then what am I? What am I? I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I consume that much oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the schools where you've seen this working so far, does it even tend to affect not just the science teachers <clears throat> and the religion teachers? But is there suddenly some kind of openness to the truth anew that um, it gets the, uh, the, the the mathematics teachers and the uh, sociology teachers and everything else to getting uh, together more, perhaps on a common syllabus kind of approach? Hmm. Well, I, I think, I mean, one of the things just from our recent trip to Holy Cross High School was some of the, the I think it was a sociology teacher, Wanted to know, okay, this is great. We have an, you, you've given us an idea of what integration looks like with science, the natural sciences and religion, but what about the social sciences? Right. So right. they, you know, I think for teachers who aren't directly, you know, employed to promote the science and religion dialogue, we show that integrated curriculum is possible. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to know, like, so, okay, let's talk about other things. How do we do this in our own fields? How do we do this with psychology, sociology, economics, whatever it might be? Yeah. And, it, and just, it, it's proof that this is possible. There's no reason to think that a successfully integrated science and religion curriculum is limited only to science and religion. There's nothing inherently structural about science and religion that allows integration these other disciplines don't. So we give teachers who aren't in the, in the field a chance to say, like, this is, uh, you know, analogically, this is what it looks like. You can do it, too. And yeah. let's talk about that when we have yeah. a chance. Yeah. 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 And, and um, there's, a, uh, there's a famous document from the Sacred Congregation for Catholic Education, so this yeah. is the church's congregation that deals with Catholic education, yeah. and this was the first document that was produced, I think, by the by the by the congregation after Vatican II. It was in 1977. Okay, and it's called the Catholic School. Okay, and there's a quote in there that says that the task of a Catholic school mm-hmm. is to create a synthesis of faith and culture, mm-hmm. reached 
by integrating all of human knowledge mm -hmm. through the subjects taught in the light of the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're doing in faith and science is really just one place. Yeah, and it's arguably the hardest place. Yeah, for instance, I would love to see, I mean, if I could add one thing to all of this, mm -hmm. um, right away, the first thing I would say would be faith and literature. Mm -hmm. Faith in the arts in general. Okay. okay. Because I honestly think that um, an engagement of a person's imagination is even more potent in mm -hmm. some ways, right? Than simply teaching them theological doctrine. Yeah. If you're engaging there, if you're if you're helping instill in them a Catholic imagination, yeah. then you know what I mean, being able to see literature through a Catholic lens and that kind of thing. You're giving them yeah. a vision of the world that they won't easily throw away. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll be something that remains with them and that they'll, that they'll actually um, cherish yeah. about their own education. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an area, but psychology, sociology, um, we get a, a lot of, a lot of uh, mathematics teachers who come and participate in our ah. mm -hmm. events and they'll generally get a lot from what we do in physics. Yeah. You know, um, and some of the, some of the mathematical issues and physics and that kind of thing. Well, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get some benefit there. But it would be great to see it. And history would be the next. Yes. Yes. So in fact, um, yeah. Yeah. Literature and, you know, integration and literature and faith, mm. you know, in theology, integration of history and theology. These are, these are, these are ripe for the picking and need to begin happening. Yeah. 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 And, and sort of a broader understanding, a much broader understanding of, you know, that Catholicism is not just about rules. I mean, we have, we have dogmas. We do. Yeah. We do have a certain number of dogmas. I don't think they're, I mean, really, if you were to sit them all, I mean, like, not the catechism, because God bless the, uh, the, the bishops who wrote the catechism, but they got a little wordy. I think <laughs> there is a, I think there is room for, you know, the, the magisterium to turn to an idea of what is a solid, but, you know, close to the minimum reducible logical content <laughs> of, okay, these are the things that have been bequeathed to us by revelation. You know, right. There's not a huge number of things and, and to do a little bit of attempt to sort out tradition with a large T, yeah. tradition with a small T. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we don't, you know, and, and, and as, as among other things, an aid to sort of separating our identity as Catholics from our identity with whatever branch of a political spectrum we might be on. Right, right. Um, the, which is, you know, another side of, yeah, the, the whole dialogue, you know, history, you know, what's, what's politics, but sort of the, the froth at the surface of history, right. in a sense. That's where we're at right now, but it's, it's all due to that. Yeah. But yeah, that is a beautiful idea that that's, you know, and again, I think almost doing religion, being able to, to, to bridge the faith and physical science is almost, well, we did the hardest one. Mm -hmm. Let's go back and do, I mean, in some ways it's the hardest, but in some, in, in some ways there's just so much more to do, I guess, with the social sciences and history or literature. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that until you mentioned it, but yeah, yeah, that's, of course that's right. Of course that's right. And of course, what did, what did being itself do when it emptied itself and became man? It told a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. So to speak. Yeah. Oh. Do you find a challenge from the principles, uh, uh, because, uh, uh, not only because of all of the, uh, uh, challenges we've talked about already, but there's just something about the nature of a high school that's, uh, uh, intrinsically silo driven, 
uh, teachers tend to think of themselves as kind of the the, the lords and ladies of their classroom, mm-hmm. and uh, and that some kind of imposition of a broader syllabus might endanger their knowledge and skills as a as a teacher, or am I being very stereotypical there? Well, we have had, I mean, a very, very small kind of territorial kind of response. But, I mean, we're talking about maybe a handful of people that come to our seminars. Well, we typically find, at least um, as people have come through our foundation seminars, is the real issue are sort of ideological differences within the broader departments who aren't represented at the conferences. So we've had several teachers who come from who teach religion, uh, and their colleagues are more or less, you know, young earth creationists who challenge the prospects of her salvation for thinking Uh that, you know, we can actually talk about evolutionary theory or or something like that. Um, So so we we don't, the territorial thing doesn't really affect us, so we don't see it very much. Uh Um, With administrators or teachers, I think the the real challenge that we deal with in terms of, of bringing out implementation vision and, and strategy, is the fact that teachers are woefully under overworked and underpaid, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're asked to do an incredible amount of stuff yeah. um, that distracts them from what it is they, they probably signed up for. And yeah. administrator, administrators have a gigantic weight on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, first of all, they have to see to it um, that their teachers are meeting state and federal standards yeah. and those kinds of things. One of the things we try to emphasize in our implementation workshops is that integration of faith and science can happen in such a way that it doesn't have to have sort of a kind of invasive or blank check kind of space in the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that there are places where it comes up naturally. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can think about, for instance, in, in standard, um, you know, standard theological education is envisioned by the USCCB. When you talk about the Old Testament, you talk about Genesis. Yeah. It's a good place to talk about the relationship between faith and science. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with um, the Big Bang in the science classroom, it's a great place to distinguish between what we mean by the Big Bang and what we mean by the Catholic doctrine of creation mm-hmm. and why they're not in conflict. You know, there are various places where this can be done. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding those places and knowing how to best make this distinction. And I often argue that um, making those kinds of distinctions and relations are actually conducive to excellent science curricula and excellent religion curricula. Yeah. Because you come to understand your discipline better when you're able to distinguish it from yeah. and relate it to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we answer and, and these the, kinds of And the of elements work. within it as well. This goes back, back yeah. to the, back to the humility that Jay talks about with, you yeah. know, which, which we're so blessed to have these incredible presenters who come who all share that common trait. Yeah. You know, they know. Mm-hmm. This is where, you know what I mean? You don't hear the theologian in one of our panel discussions stepping up and saying, excuse me, Steve Barr, particle right. physicist, please be quiet for a second while I tell you what I think about particle physics. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. We're all listening. When Steve's talking yeah. about part of physics, we're all listening. Right. Yeah. We also exactly. then can yeah. conjecture with one another. Is this what the church means about this? Or is this, you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when you talk about quantum mechanics, is this what this means or that? Yeah. That kind of 
respectful dialogue is something we want to model for teachers. They can go back to their school and do it. Right. And, and don't and don't tell them I said this because it might work against the humility that they have. But <laughs> why we insist on having I can next size this part. <laughs> right, 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 right. The, the very best uh, speakers, yeah. the very best researchers um, in the field who, who can speak to the science and religion dialogue. Uh, I just think about the because it's it's at that level you have kind of watershed distinctions are introduced. One quick example is when uh, John Cavini, who's a, a patristic scholar, yeah. a remarkable Catholic theologian at, at Notre Dame, uh, gave an entire kind of keynote on the idea that the doctrine of creation is a revealed doctrine. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And he says, because we have no idea what creation means in a theological sense. Mm-hmm. And that had to be revealed to us. Yeah. Uh, is that so? It, one is manifestly different than the findings of natural philosophy that the universe is something that came into existence in some way. Mm-hmm. The doctrine of creation is, um, as revealed, is a, kind of marks a theological index that we would not have otherwise. And once that was in place and people understood what we're doing, we're not giving this is not an air sense explanation. Mm-hmm. This is this is a sophisticated understanding, a texture, kind of a texturizing of the world in which we live yeah. and, and its origins. And, and so it's distinctions like that, which, which when you have some of the best minds in the world on a particular field, uh, telling teachers what they think is important, what's critical to, to teach this well, uh, just uh, magnificent things happen. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just little distinctions that happen like that. Uh, and, and it's, I mean, I learn a ton every year just being around these people. Yeah. And the teachers uh, seem to do too. So you think, you start telescoping out, you know, generations and you think, okay, we have a crop of students now who in high school are learning something that I didn't learn until a graduate school. Yeah. That the doctrine of creation is a revealed doctrine that has import uh, on these particular points. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how cultures are changed. I'm fascinated by your discussion. It's it's in the New Orleans uh, foundations where you go and you do some lab work as yeah. a part of the. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, again, thinking of Father Ehrman, but of course also being a geologist. You know, whether hopefully in the days to you know in years to come, you know, as this branches out and hopefully gets taken up by more people, um, whether there might be room for a uh, an outdoor a lab a descriptive science sort of you know maybe yeah. geology and ecology sort of uh, definitely um, but um, not but not in June in New Orleans <laughs> not in New Orleans no you want to stay in that air that's right that's right we're going to have to find yeah. some like big July in Wyoming that's a that's a great uh, <laughs> something time up in Yosemite or something <laughs> yeah yeah Yosemite yeah, 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 yeah that, so. that, that Father Terry brings to the table just you know mm-hmm. he he gave a presentation last year at Foundations uh, Notre Dame basically that starts with kind of understanding water systems, water basins, yeah, yeah. river systems. Yeah. It was able to draw out of that an incredible amount of theological content, scientific mm-hmm. content. It was remarkable, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't do sort of environmental ethical stuff, but talking about ecology as sort of ecological systems has been incredibly interesting yeah. and, and very fruitful for ways of getting at the science religion question that, may, that, that our participants and program instructors may not have anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, you said your book is uh, you have the second volume of your book is coming second out soon. Edition. Yeah. So, my my last year of uh, my last academic year, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, before I moved here in July, okay, was I was on sabbatical from Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans. Yeah. Writing the second edition of the textbook. Okay. Um, the textbook actually was part of my uh, what we call in Louisiana my Katrina experience. Okay. I was cool. invited to propose the curriculum um, about 
six days after our home was flooded and while we right. were evacuated to central Louisiana. Yeah. And I probably would, I was the chair of the theology department at a college in New Orleans, Our Lady of Holy Cross College, yeah. now the University of Holy Cross. Yeah. Uh, and didn't think I'd have any time. Right. To, to, to work on this. Right. I would not have thought I would have any time. Isn't that yeah. And uh-huh. certainly did not feel qualified to do it. Uh-huh. But at this particular point, I was wondering even if the college would open again. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and so the first edition was, it's really representative of the research that I did from 2005 to 2007. Yeah. Which was my first foray into the relationship between the Catholic faith and science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I attempted to make a kind of an A to Z sort of approach. Yeah. You know, um, I follow the same kind of format here. And now I have the benefit of, a, of, a, of an additional 12, yeah. 13 years of learning yeah. and speaking and engaging yeah. the topic and yeah. doing more research. Yeah. And so I'm excited about people, being, you know, yeah, yeah. around Stephen Barr, whoever. Right, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. Well, Stephen Barr actually wrote the foreword to the first edition. Mm-hmm. And he keeps reminding me, he goes, you know, I haven't read the second edition yet. Right. So I hope you didn't mess it up. And I can picture him <laughs> saying, that. That. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, easy thing in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but Steve actually, one of his, his book, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith, was one of the first books I read. Yeah. And one of, was one of the, and by the end of it, I had read yeah. many, many more. Yeah. And still remained at the one top. of the best, yeah. One of, if not the, the best. best. Yeah. And yeah. so the reason I book. became friends with Stephen, Steve Barr, is because I, I, at the end of writing my first draft, I called him. Yeah. And I said, uh, I'm this guy, you know, I'm a guy teaching New Orleans and I've written this textbook on faith and science for high school. And I had an idea of maybe about 35 pages of the 200 page manuscript that I wanted him to read. Yeah. Just to make sure I didn't mess up the science. <laughs> right. Misunderstand yeah, exactly. the science. Yeah. And Steve was so gracious, he actually said, Are you, this is a great idea. Yeah. And he read the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then, and that's kind of, then we began collaborating together on these, on, on education for teachers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. So there's a, there's a little, I hope I answered your question. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about seeing, uh, something that I, I feel. Yeah. You know, is, 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 a, has a little bit more depth to it than yeah. the first edition. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's a dramatic uh, story of of uh, the manner in which God had the uh, call delivered to you. Yes, to <laughs> I would not be living in the frozen tundra now. And that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's yeah. Yeah, but it was a, it was a, it was it was definitely a, a great moment mm-hmm. and um, uh, a great turning point in my own life. Although at the time, I just simply thought it would be a one off project that I would do to help a school. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how those things work out. You know? Yeah. Yeah, some of them do. Yeah. And sometimes the thing you think is going to be a big splash ends up being that boutique item that, you know. Yeah, people, right, right. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Life is like that. Life is like that. So, yeah. Well, I feel like there's several more podcasts worth of material. We That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, this has been good. I've really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. This has been yeah. a great conversation. Been a, been yeah. this conversation. This has been another episode of That's So Second Millennium with me, Paul Geesting, geologist and intellectual pilgrim, and my co-host, the journalist and consultant, Bill Schmidt. Be sure to check us out at tssm.podbean.com. We hope you subscribe and leave us a review via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. As always, thanks for listening.